you know, we need to make sure that we are, while we're running downhill, especially the steeper it gets, that we're kind of running almost like with a little bit of a, like a quarter squat or something like that, where your hips stay behind your knees so that when your foot impacts the ground, those big glute and hip muscles are helping take some of the load uh, and, you know, and some, some of that impact so that your knees and quads are not taking the load. At what percent grade do you just recommend doing like the butt slide? Welcome, everyone, to another discombobulated episode of Coaches on Couches. Being slouches. Brian's wearing jeans. Yeah. What's up with that? the discombobulated. I told Dale he needed to wear his, his bifocals that he had my, on earlier. My blue blockers. I couldn't, uh, I, I just couldn't take them serious, even though it should make you look a little more serious. I, I, yeah. I feel like I look skinnier with them just, on. I, there was something that was just, uh, I don't know, <laughs> just had me thrown for a loop. I bet. So today we are going to uh, cover some of the essentials of training for a trail ultra marathon. We've got one of our favorite events of the year coming up, the Walking Tall 50K, 25K. Uh, it's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... We're, uh, we're excited for that event, so we figured it was a good time to uh, talk about preparation. Maybe a little bit late for those of you who are doing the event, Yeah. but if you're looking to uh, prepare for a trail ultra, we're going to cover uh, what we feel are the most important things to consider when you're kind of yep. working, you know, working on your training plan and putting things together. Yep. So we'll get to that, but first, I am Coach Dale Sanford. And I am Coach Bryant. Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. Every BPC coach is trained in our five pillars coaching system that has been developed over the last 11 years through our work with athletes of all ages and ability levels, from fresh off the couch to world championship competitors. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com checking out facebook and youtube at build peak compete or all up on that instagram at bpc performance a little slip up i there. had a little blunder <laughs> i don't want to like throw you off and i haven't heard you like <laughs> <laughs> scoffing at your choking, on, to a, read off a choking on cheese over there or something maybe if you had blue blockers you'd be able to read better <laughs> them blue blockers you got <laughs> This episode brought to you by Blue Blockers. <laughs> yeah, so um, we will. I'll, I'll uh, you know, we don't do a whole lot of advertising or anything on this uh, this show, so um, I will throw one in there. Um, if you guys haven't heard, we've started another business not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're basically renting camper vans and small. Uh, like mini trailers and stuff like that for for outdoor adventures called adventure rig rentals. They would be perfect if you were going to say a trail ultra. A trail ultra. A big reason why we uh, we yep. started we started uh, or had the idea in the generals just people going to events and uh-huh. and you know wanting a little bit better accommodations than a tent. 
uh, you no. know, the night before a race and stuff like that. So if, you, uh, if you're interested, check it out, VentureRigRentals.com, and also on uh, the old Insta at Adventure underscore Rig underscore Rentals. Bingo, All right. Bingo, bongo. That's enough. <laughs> Shoutouts. Shoutouts. We actually did have uh, a race happen last week. There was uh, the DeGray Lake Triathlon. Um, the the Those guys put on a really good event. They do, from what I heard, it was uh, very well um, spaced out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that sort of thing. And overall, really well put on event as far as, like, getting results done, getting, you know, that's usually what... <laughs> my litmus test for a, a well-run mm. event is how well things go after everybody's crossed the finish line. Yep. Uh, and yeah. you know, do you have to wait around for three hours for results? Yeah. So I uh, heard it was a good event. So uh, Chris Watts went over strong name for someone who's going to be doing anything bike related. Yeah. <laughs> he had a good race. It's a, it's a tough course. It's very hilly. Uh, uh, second overall. So, Great race for him. And then Cliff Abeles, first age group. So boy, Cliffy. Those two guys had, had solid races. Awesome. Uh, I got Scott Newberry, or Noobster, as we call him. The Noobster. Uh, the, uh, the ride to fight on did not happen this year in person, which is something so we've su- one of our supported every year. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've supported every year since it started. Um, so they did a virtual mileage challenge and, uh, noobs ended up second in the challenge. Yeah. 700 and something miles, uh, which included some Garmin failures that didn't collect that all his mileage. It was a little over a week. I think it was 12 days. Okay. That's like right. that. Um, but his final week, he was well over 400 uh, miles on the week, but he was knocking out lunch rides and evening rides and. So he, a time-crunched athlete, you know, he's got a full-time yeah. job, um, demanding job, and uh, he was doing the little things you got to do, you know, if you're doing something like that, where you find time. Uh, it may not be large chunks of time all at once. It's but interesting that we've we've kind of, we found a few little, like, uh, challenges mm-hmm. over these, this year that people have really kind of uh, gone after, and mileage challenges have been a big yeah. one, Yeah. You know? It shows us that people, I mean, and I, we definitely fall into this category, like people love to compete or there's certain people, I guess, a lot of the people listening to this, um, you'd fall into that category of give me a competition and I'm going to go see what I can do. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to see how far I can go. Um, you know, like if it were a hot dog eating competition, <laughs> say on Coney Island, be in it to win it. Yeah. Like Kobayashi. Like Kobayashi. Like Jaws, yeah, <laughs> knocking out at least seven of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One for their ten. Brian would then pass out from all the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Any other shout-outs? Uh, last one, Tony Gambrell. Uh, he's been knocking out all-time best pretty much this whole back half of the year. Um, Numbers-wise, some of the best stuff he's had. You know, yeah. he he hasn't been able to do any any racing, um, which has been unfortunate, but. You know, we talked before about what's been one of the upsides of this whole COVID yep. lack of racing thing is you've been able to really kind of dial in training and not have to work it as much around a bunch of different events. And yeah, his, his, he's been knocking out all-time bests. And I know, to, and I know I've raced with Tony a ton and I know Tony pretty well and he loves to race. And generally speaking, during a season, he races a ton. Yeah, he races a lot. Uh, you know, and 
so I think people are seeing a little bit of value in spacing out the races a little bit so that they can actually get in really good training blocks yep. and that are actually moving the needle. Obviously, we've yep. had tons of people this year who've hit all-time bests with no races. Yep. So. Definitely. Right. Cool. Let's move on. Into the turnips and tofu? <laughs> I couldn't say meat and potatoes, right? <laughs> no, it's take. Yeah. Take uh, so. so we're talking about <laughs> tofu and turnips. The essentials, <laughs> the essentials of training for an, uh, a trail ultra. Uh, we're going to keep it to trail ultra. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of these things carry over if you're just doing a road ultra marathon, but yep. trail ultras are obviously more popular and yep. uh, more prevalent. So we're going to leave it to that. Plus we've got our, our favorite one coming up. So yeah, exactly. Um, and like the, the, well, I will go into the details of it, but I guess just start off with what exactly is an ultra here. Yeah, so I, like uh, you know, ultra marathon is anything longer than a marathon. I mean, it literally can be like this one is fifty k. So it's thirty one miles, uh, depending on how the race directors feel like they want to reroute the course every every year. <laughs> uh, but um, give it an ish. Yeah, yeah, thirty. Yeah, thirty one ish. Uh, but you know, that's like five miles longer yeah. than a than a marathon. So it's not a ton, but it's, you know, it's an ultra marathon. It's longer than a marathon. So mm -hmm. there's, you know, common lengths are 50 K 40 miles, 50 miles, hundred K hundred miles. Basically yep. there are longer, uh, you know, but those are kind of the typical, uh, distances. So the big thing, like we've basically got six major things that, you need to really consider we're probably leaving things out here but these are the major major things yeah um and then we got a couple of extra little tips at yeah. the end there yeah I, by saying major things like there have been mistakes that people have made in the past if you yeah. follow these six you're going to be avoiding a lot of the mistakes that we've seen yeah other and people I, have this like, is less about giving you a detailed plan and more about Make sure you hit these six things. Make sure you have these six things in order, yep. and you're going to have a much more successful race than you would otherwise. Yeah, and uh, you know, just to for some validation that we have any idea that we're talking what we're talking about, we've coached people through uh, you know Western states. Um, we've had people we've had people set course records on the marathon to Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. Uh, we've had which included some off course. Running. Yeah, it went off course. Part of maybe it's another tip. Actually, yeah. that's uh, that's uh, Coach Casey's listening right now, and she's saying one of the important things is uh, if you get lost fewer times, mm -hmm. uh, you probably have a good race. Yeah, it's kind of like learning to sight during open water swimming, right? Yeah, follow <laughs> follow the course. Um, but you know, Western states is probably like the Super Bowl of ultra marathoning. Um, you know, and and. We've had people place in the 50 mile road national championship. I mean, so we've, we've been doing this a while and have seen the mistakes and somewhat made them ourselves and, uh, you know, coached a lot of people through ultras. So, um, number one thing, and this is, this may be obvious to some is we we're, we're looking to build like superior fatigue resistance, um, like ultra marathon, especially trail it's it is tough on the body running yep. in general tough on the body yep um so course surface is you know not consistent like yeah. you'd have in a road yeah. event the terrain is generally a lot more aggressive than what you would have in yep. a road road style event so there's a yep. lot of extra demands 
a five mile jump may not seem like a lot from a you know regular marathon to a you know 50k yeah but when you start factoring in the differences in course and the difference in demands that that place on you and the and the average pace that a person would actually be able to sustain you're looking at a big jump in yeah. actual training stress you're looking like if you compare like let's just say the saint jude marathon which is our local uh marathon the course there versus the walking tall 50k course mm -hmm. you're only adding five miles but you're adding uh <laughs> 4,000 feet, <laughs> yeah, 4, feet of elevation <laughs> yeah. uh, up and down. Yeah. And then you're adding a lot of lateral movement. Yeah. Uh, you're adding technical descents, mm -hmm. um, you know, that kind of thing. So it is vastly different. Like, it, like training for a road marathon and training for a trail ultra, you cannot go about them the same way. Mm -hmm. But the thing that does, you know, is similar is you're trying to build superior fatigue resistance. So, yep. um, one, we have to have, you know, we have to have a decent frequency in our running, you know, each yes. week. Yeah, step one especially, yeah, build that frequency yeah. up. We don't have to have, we don't have to run six days a week, but, you know, typical for, for most people is four to five mm -hmm. runs a week when you're running, uh, training for a trail ultra. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of people that kind of jump from triathlon to trail running and back and stuff like that. So while they're trying to, they're trying to do some other sessions each week to, each week to maintain like their bike fitness and swim fitness and stuff like that. So they may only run four days a week, occasionally three days a week. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, people are running four or five, sometimes six days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, so you need some good frequency. Um, that kind of increases the overall workload of each week. Yeah. The big tip uh, on the weekends is we need to, we don't have to do, the distance. I'm going to repeat that. Yes. If whatever, we'll repeat it again at the very end too. Yeah. Cause it was a tip, but <laughs> you don't have to do the distance to complete a, a, an ultra marathon of a specific distance. Like, especially as you get on the longer ones, yeah. you will never run a hundred miles before you should not run a hundred miles before you run a hundred miler. Yeah, your, your single big day should not be in your in your lead up, in your training prep, No, does not uh, need to match yeah. your race day mileage. And the same principle goes for anything that's ultra, uh, Ironman, uh, you mm -hmm. know, uh, gravel grind, like a hundred mile gravel grinder or, or dirty cans or something like that. Um, we, we're gonna use what we call stacking mm -hmm. to simulate large, loads like that so we're simulating a big one day load by basically stacking two maybe three days mm -hmm. of big volume together yep. building um, building fatigue each day and by that final day it's very much simulating yep. the demands that you're going to have on the on race day yeah and so for like just as an example and this is very much person to person but as an example for a 50k the big stack that I'll usually try to get people to is something like a 20 miler, uh, 20 miles ish on Saturday and then maybe 10 on Sunday. So you are getting in 30 miles in two days, yep. but you're not doing 31 miles in one day before the day. Mm -hmm. um, going just briefly about kind of why we structure it that way. Like why, what's the importance of spreading it over two days versus realistically day it's it. it's risky it's very risky to like increase your volume 
to that level before you're actually going to do it. Because mm-hmm. um, it can also, you can also send yourself somewhat into a peak and then you're on the downslope when you actually hit the event. On top of that, most people don't have that kind of time yeah. uh, like on one single day to just go out and do you know, a f- five, six, seven hour run. Uh, you know, if you're training in, in a sense for like a 50K, you don't have five, six plus hours on Saturday to mm-hmm. go and just run. So we break on the, on the other side of that too, like your ability to recover from something right. that long, you know, that big of a day is going to impact the quality that you may have yep. going into the next week. So you may, you may end up actually delaying the amount of work you're able to do over a, a training block. If you go out and decide you're going to do one massive day. Yeah. Um, so you're actually going to, you know, from a fitness standpoint, you'd be better off thinking of it as, you know, how much work can I put in? over this block of training as opposed to let me do one big day and now I'm going to, number one, risk getting injured, and number two, probably lengthen out the amount of time I have to recover and I can't get any more quality work in. Yeah. It's it's never it's never about one day. Mm-hmm. Like your, your training in general for any event is never about like one day. You're training for one day, but your, tra- your, your training in the lead up should never – like make one day will never make it make or break. Um, now if you consistently miss one day or, or, you know, skip a day, then yeah, that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. But your training in general should not be about one big day. And Um, for most people, like I think the reason they would want to do that is just for confidence. Sure. So know that if you can get through a big two day stack, you're going to be able to get through it on race day. I mean, race day comes down to, Trusting your preparation, proper pacing, proper nutrition. I mean, your body's capable of of some great, amazing things when you when you do that stuff. Yep. So have confidence in knowing if you can get through those stack days, you're gonna you're gonna have the ability to get through it on race day. Absolutely. And we are like we're literally if you do it right and you stack two days together, and you stack the blocks of training together. So we're talking about like a three week block and you're doing weekend stacking every block. When you get to that like third week, uh, you're gonna have so much accumulated fatigue that second day, that second run day, or even that, you know, even that long Saturday is going to feel more like the fatigue you're gonna feel during a long event like that. That's what we're after. And in fact, you'll, you'll go into that feeling more tired at the start than you would on race day. Yeah. I mean, so you're going to be carrying that fatigue into it. You're going to actually start your 20 miler. Say it's on the back end of a, of a training block. You're going to start that feeling as though it's mile 10. Yep. So you'll be all right. Feel, yeah. You, you shouldn't, you, you can't go into every big weekend fresh. No, not, not the idea. No. Okay. Moving on. Enough on that. Point number two. Yes. And you've never, we've never said this before on any episode. You will not ever, ever hear it again. Never. So listen closely. Turn up the volume. Strength training. Strength training. Strength training. Strength training. Strength training. Probably the thing we've used second most behind consistency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mentions consistency and strength training damn near every episode. Mm-hmm. So... It is of the utmost importance for you to be doing some strength training um, during your buildup. 
Why? Because strength training adds to the, your durability as an athlete. Um, it's kind of preparing the body to handle, handle bigger training loads. <laughs> bigger training loads. And then also what we're trying to like minimize the like body breakdown. So as your body gets pounded by yep. downhills and all, all that stuff, like we're trying to have those muscles already prepared for that mm-hmm. so that it, it happens later, <laughs> exactly. ideally. Uh, I definitely in the past have made this mistake, not necessarily for strength training, but not, but not necessarily preparing, um, you know, kind of the next point here, yeah. preparing for downhills. Mm-hmm. And like part of that is strength training. So you can do, you know, as examples, we need to do a lot of stabilizing muscles in your hips and glutes and, and things like that, that are going to help keep your body in alignment mm-hmm. for a long period of time. Uh, yeah, especially when you start factoring in, you know, very uneven road surfaces, trail surfaces that yeah. you're going to be on. I mean, there's a lot of load that's going to be going uh, into those hips and those knees and those ankles. Lateral stabilizing muscles definitely need to be on yeah. point to uh, to get you through that last, you know, 10 miles plus. And here's, here's a... a tip that most people miss when they're doing their strength training your your body the the reason your body breaks down is because of deceleration you're constantly decelerating your body especially running downhill which we'll get to in just a second Mm -hmm. but you we need to spend a little bit more time on like the eccentric portions of lifts yes like going down and controlling the the eccentric portion or or if you're doing a squat it's going down like you're you're controlling that movement down uh because that's loading the muscles and stretching them out uh you know that's what we're trying to prepare for not necessarily the push off or the Mm -hmm. concentric motion yeah not the up yeah not when the muscle is contracting so concentric meaning load while muscles contracting eccentric is load while the muscles lengthening yeah you get a ton of eccentric loading on downhill running absolutely i mean people do not we're just jumping into the next one but people do not do that nearly enough do not prepare for downhills Mm -hmm. enough and and everyone worries about uphills like i gotta run hills they gotta run hills sure you gotta run some hills but you need to prepare for the downhills because your body is going to break down so much faster from downhill even hiking Mm -hmm. uh you need to be prepared for that. Yeah. And, you know, how do we do that? Strength training. Strength training. And then also doing some downhill running. Mm-hmm. We've got to not only work on running downhill, but the technique of running downhill. And we even, we had a whole other episode. We talked about, like, kind of the intricacies of running technique and downhill running. Um, you know, we need to make sure that we are, while we're running downhill, especially the steeper it gets, that, we're kind of running almost like with a little bit of a, like a quarter squat or something like that, where your hips stay behind your knees so that when your foot impacts the ground, those big glute and hip muscles are helping take some of the load, uh, and you know, and some, some of that impact so that your knees and quads are not taking the load. At what percent grade do you just recommend doing like the butt slide? I, man, there's a few, there's, I mean, uh, Usually if it's 20%, 20% or more, just, uh, I mean, yeah, 20, when you get to 20% on a downhill, Uh 
um, you can easily hit a loose rock and be on your butt in no time. Yep. Um, you know, that's why like I say downhill is so much more important to work on than uphill because frankly, most people end up hiking the uphills anyways. Yeah. The power hike. And they try to make up time on the downhills, but you're really, you're really doing yourself a disservice. You should probably hike the downhills more so, uh, to save your legs and then try to run more on the uphills. Um, yeah, you said it was walking tall a couple of years ago, right? That the you you would always stay close to the dude on the uphills, and then he was leaving you on the downhills. Yeah, I yeah, I, you know, I was I well, one, I went out too hard. Yeah. Uh, but pacing, pacing. Yeah, yeah, it's a pacing thing. But there were several people who are much more experienced in trail running than I am. Uh, you know, at the time, and when I like, tr- I would I could stay with just about anybody, but it was once we started downhills like the longer descents they're just leaving me mm-hmm. and then like and i paid for it about halfway through like the 25k mark my quads were already done just, just blown knees and quads were already done because i tried running every downhill yeah like no matter what because i was trying to catch back catch on back up with them and yeah. make up time so like if you're thinking about strategy in a uh in an ultra like take the downhills easy like if you can and run more of the uphills you're mm-hmm. gonna make people are gonna walk slow uphill hike uphill if you can even just jog or like easy run uphill you're gonna make more time uphill than you will downhill and you're gonna save your legs more running uphill than running downhill so prepare for the downhills prepare for downhills that's probably one of the biggest mistakes, I would, he, I I mean, would guess. By far. Well, we probably should have put that number one. Well, well besides strength training. And, 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 you know, in the sense of, like, you think about uh, courses like Western States. Western States is, like, 10 miles uphill and then 70-something miles net downhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's a downhill run, but it is brutal yeah. on it's like just very that's tough why to simulate that. that's yeah. why people call it like one of the like the hardest course in the world because it is brutal it's a surprisingly difficult yeah course so prepare the downhills number four what goes down we gotta go up must go up now i'm you know <laughs> after all that hate on uphill <laughs> i know i just i was hating on the uphills but you do have to prepare for them yeah. like you just like you don't have to run hills every day. Like people, I just think people put too much weight on hill running for trail ultras versus preparing for downhills. But we do have to prepare for for uphills. Yeah. And in general, you're going to get a ton more elevation gain. Like you mentioned, St. Jude here versus the Big Hill Pond Walking yeah. Tall action. I mean, you're talking probably is it four thousand? It's yeah. probably about four thousand. Yeah, it's feet over difference. four. So one's like forty five or forty six, right? Isn't that what? Big Hill Pond is, yeah. It's it's tall. it's forty two ish, I think. Okay, I can't. I mean, it's just it's whatever your GPS says that day. But I know it's over four for so, the full fifty k. So over four and thirty one miles, and then you know Saint Jude, you're looking at a couple hundred. Yeah, Saint Jude. Yeah, Saint Jude's probably like four hundred feet. Yeah, I, I mean, mean so think about that. That's a ten that's times a the massive, energy. massive difference. So you got to get some of that in your training for sure. You're just relying on running roads to get you prepped for uh, for some off-road yeah. trail running. It's going to be a surprise. Another mistake I have made personally uh, in training for trail running is just running too much road. Mm-hmm. Like 
and it's just and for me it wasn't i knew i should run the trails more but it was a time thing like a convenience thing so i would i would you know run the road and then i would run hills on treadmill and stuff like that just because it was more convenient for me Mm -hmm. and that was part of my mistake of not preparing for downhills was not running more more trails um but you know you've got to simulate what you're gonna run on so um we do have to do the uphill running it is it is your you know we call it run strength so like you're getting those big posterior muscles prepared to run uphill and if you follow what we're talking about like taking the downhills easy uh and running uphill um like you need some good posterior strength yep. to to sustain that. So yep. uphill running, we got to do it. Mm-hmm. Number five. So what would you recommend? Just going back to that real quick, just as like a general tip, number of times per week you would recommend someone incorporates. If you're running like a if hill you're, run day, if you're running trails frequently, you're going to get hills. Mm-hmm. But like like structure like a structured workout on uphill running is probably once a week. Um, and you're going to get in, you know, uh, you know, usually it's eight to 10 reps. It, it just depends on what you're after. Like I have people, uh, depending on the course, I've had people that I've sent out and forced them to do like, th- like three or four by one mile uphill efforts. Uh, I've had people I've sent on like 30, 40 minute uphill runs on a treadmill just because we're preparing for that, like long, goes into one of our points coming up. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's going to meet depends. the demands of the course, right? There's no like, there's no magic. Yeah. There's no magic like interval split for for yeah. uphill running. You got to go shorter in the beginning to, to prep your body for it, and then you're trying to get closer and closer to like the demands of the course. So, yeah. if there's a three mile climb on the course. You know, I don't have to do a three mile uphill, but we can come close to doing, you know, uh, you know, a th- like 30 minutes worth of uphill mm-hmm. running to prepare for that yep. because that's going to be a pretty devastating, mm-hmm. you know, part of the course. So yep. uh, that's the idea. But you don't need to, I mean, essentially with this, you don't have to have like, okay, I've got a race that's got 4,000 feet of vert, so I better be doing at least 2000 every day kind of thing. So yeah, I mean like, for most don't overdo it. Yeah. When you think about hill hill strength, hill running prep, you don't have to overdo it and uh and say hey, every day I got to consume masses of massive amounts of elevation. No. I mean for especially for people like like in our area, it's going to be very tough yeah. unless you get out of the area yeah. uh, to get even close to that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why like we use treadmills a lot to simulate, to do uphill running workouts of things longer than a minute because we don't have that many hills. Mm-hmm. They're going to take longer than a minute to go up. And if you're doing some of the, you know, the stuff out in the Rockies or stuff where you've got, where you do end up hiking, I mean, that's something you want to incorporate yep. as well. I mean, you yeah. have to scale back from, you know, you may need a day where it's all power hiking for hour-long blocks yep i mean look at what the course demands are going to be that's kind of one of the the nice things about you know strava and stuff is you can go and take a look like what are the different segments you know pretty much every race is going to have strava segments on it and you're gonna be able to see okay like someone who finished in about my time spent 90 minutes power hiking this hill um i mean that's a that's a stress that you know you need to simulate in your training lead up yeah yeah i mean i i would say 
the the hiking aspect of it falls into that so if you are preparing for something that has these longer climbs that you know like realistically nobody's going to run the whole thing yeah yeah Um, like a hard rock 100 or right even the leadville action yeah i mean no like these long climbs that no like yes you need to do like you can go from doing hill runs uh short hill runs to like you know even mile block hill runs to doing 30 minute block runs to doing an hour of hiking you know, and that's still working on that posterior chain and yep. and preparing those muscles to and keep fatigue pushing resistance backwards. essentially, right? Fatigue resistance and durability is kind of the ultimate goal. That's there. it. Yep. I mean, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. We can close up shop now. If well, next time, except for this part. <laughs> yes. So, if there's one thing that can make or break uh, an ultra anything, it's your fueling strategy. Mm. So this is something you have to practice you have to practice you have to play with it um that's why we work this into training essentials you need to train this absolutely so obviously we're talking about nutrition and hydration your calorie needs and your fluid electrolyte needs so the longer that you're out there if you're one if you're on the slower end of folks the longer you're out there the more time you have to screw it up yep uh, and fall behind. Yep. So the mo- the more important it is for you to have a strategy and stick to it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, I think that's important thing to like really think about. So, you know, you have your elite folks and it's easy to like think, oh man, they're going so fast. Like mm-hmm. they're working so much harder than what say someone who finishes just under the time cut. But if you like really start looking at heart rate and intensity perceived effort essentially of those two athletes you know you've got one person who's probably doing it in double the amount of time and is staying pretty close up there in Mm -hmm. in intensity level as the person who's finishing first so it's not like these people are you know doing a a walk in the park kind of thing like this is a strong push that these people are doing for a long period of time when you start looking at these you know 100 mile style things that's a long time to really get into a bad place if yeah. you're not number one you know training you got to train that strategy um but essentially your your goal is to like how long can i keep myself out of a, a big hole absolutely i mean like um the year that i actually did walking tall the guy who won went out with a hand water bottle and seemingly nothing else and i had like the double barrel like liter <laughs> bottles on they my look back like Rambo with <laughs> with like snacks all shoved in every pocket I could I could <sighs> and you know granted he finished 30 minutes before me mm. but like he, like the demand and I finished like laying on my back like yeah. about to die yeah. like and he was like walking like I think he had left by the time like didn't care like <laughs> but like uh, I think he did more downhill prep than Dale did. Yeah, well, he's probably about forty pounds lighter than me. But, uh, but yeah, so demands are going to be completely different. Calorie demands, like fluid demands, uh, you know, that's the big, huge variance is usually fluid and electrolyte, and we've talked about that. You know, we can well, ad nauseum. We beat the dead horse on that one, mm. but uh, you've got to have a strategy and just consider the fact that. If you're going to be out there longer, you've got to stick to it and yep. you know, don't skip an aid station. Nope. Don't, don't even, cause like 
you may know the course and you may think that this six mile stretch is only going to take you X amount. But if you fall hunger flat, uh, that six miles may take you <laughs> an extra 50% and you're going to go that long without food or fluids. Yep. So, you know, don't skip aid stations, have your own nutrition on hand if you don't like what they have. Yep. Uh, and practice it in your training. So you, you want to be able to make tweaks in your training on these long stack days that we talked about in point number one. Like you need to figure out what allows you to go at higher levels for longer period of time. So like you're just trying to be able to burn that candle as long as you yeah. can. So you need to tweak it. You need to adjust it. You need to play with it. It needs to be a part of your, your training plan to, to make those small tweaks and see whether it's better or worse. Yeah. Don't save it for race day to say, okay, I'm just going to eat as much as I can today. And yeah. Hope it goes well. <laughs> that doesn't go well. No. Not usually. No. All right. So the last bit here, and we've probably, we've pretty much said we already, it already. kind of talked about it. Yeah. Uh, but just your training needs to simulate the demands of the course. So like you need to know what the course looks like. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and then whatever you, you know, whatever you can pick out on the course, as far as the conditions, the terrain, like you can throw simulations for that mm -hmm. in your training. And the, and the closer you get to the event, the more of that you should do. Yep. Uh, yeah, and use that kind of as a guide to like, okay, how much downhill prep do I need to do? Like what yeah. duration do I need to kind of build my tolerance up to? What's the longest downhill section I'm going to have? You know, one time, what's the longest uphill section? How steep is it going to be? Can I run it? Am I going to need to power hike it? How mm -hmm. long am I going to be on it? Like start looking at that stuff so you get a better idea of okay you're not going to do that whole thing on one training day like we already talked about but maybe you want to try to simulate the one major climb you know maybe that's something you can simulate or build up to to complete in one training day or, or make it the second day of a training block when you know if you're going to enter that tired make it the second day you know this is going to be my my big sim sim style day yeah um but or yeah, in, know, know the demands so you know what you should be doing. In the case of uh, walking tall, uh, climb some stairs. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we've got a we've got and a drink some fireball. Yeah, <laughs> we've got we've got a whatever it is. Very 80, important interval training. Eighty something step fire tower that you have to go up twice on the fifty k loop. Uh, so you know stuff like that you should mm -hmm. know and prepare for it. And if you're scared of heights. Go skydiving. Too bad. <laughs> you got to do it anyways. Uh, all right. Our other little quick tips here. Yeah. We already talked about uh, both of those. Oh, wait. No, the last one we didn't. So a good option, uh, and, you know, COVID notwithstanding, uh, is to even, even start looking at what other races. You know, we talked about you don't necessarily have to hit, and, and most likely you won't ever hit the single day volume duration that yeah. you will on race day, but something that can be very beneficial, especially when you're, you're in a bigger build phase uh, of your training is to look for, you know, is there a, a half, you know, a, a, say a 25 K that I can use as a way to get a big volume day race demands and maybe add on mileage before and after that. So look, look around for what races there are that you can use um, to not only give you, you know, an extra race day environment, but also allows you to have supplies on course. You know, most races are going to have yep. feed areas, nutrition places. So like it can make the longer days easier. And Absolutely. most people are going to push themselves harder 
when other people are around. Um, so, you know, if that fits in the timing of it, we, we often have our athletes look for a race that they can do, you know, six weeks out, eight weeks out, all the uh, 10 time. weeks out kind of thing. Yeah. It just makes it so much easier to get in the long stuff with support. Yep. Uh, you know, otherwise a lot of times you're, you're having to do short loops or something like that and pack stuff at your car and mm -hmm. which is fine, but mentally it can mess with you. Yeah. It's mentally yeah. people, you know, especially if you're doing, trying to get 20 miles, yep. uh, you know, and you're doing whatever, <laughs> And it, yeah, you're doing four <laughs> or five really miles. It's really easy to stop after four. Yeah. <laughs> or three or two. Yep. So yeah, look for those uh, those other races when they happen. Stop all that. right. I think that's it. I think that's all we got for today. Uh, you know, if you have any uh, other comments or things that you feel like we've left out, throw them, you know, throw them in, in our comments mm -hmm. or... If you shoot us a line to coach or couch. Oh, coach or couch. Coach or couch at buildpeakcompete.com. And if you haven't signed up, if you're looking for an event that we guarantee you will be well run. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be an awesome time with a great group of people. Uh, the Walking Tall event, October 2019. 17th. 17th. <laughs> October 17th. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this year, uh, you know, even though that there's, you know, we have the, you know, they're doing what they need to, to keep everybody safe and all that stuff. But I hear there's going to be a wedding at the finish line. I saw that on the Facebook group. Yeah. So if you want to be a part of uh, a stranger's wedding. <laughs> this is your opportunity to be a wedding is, crasher. This is. <laughs> Bobby O'Shea. Bobby O'Shea coming at you. All right. We appreciate you guys ah, hanging out. <laughs> hanging out listening. <laughs> watching we will catch you guys next time peace adios